Okay. Man, this is going kind of fast. <laughs> I, I hope this works, yeah, man. You're not going to want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long it records. So, come on, sit down, bud. Oh, man. This is uh, for Outhouse Theologians. Uh, it's just me and Eric today. Kevin's not here with us, so we're going to talk about him. Uh, no. <laughs> but uh, I was going to set this on there. How did that work for that? So you got just me and, and Eric, man. Right. So. y'all today? How's it going? Kevin's not with us today, so. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> hey, see what we can do, man. <laughs> so maybe we should start out, you know, just praying like God, Heavenly Father, man, you know, cleanse my heart that I could come before you with a right heart. And sir, if there's anything in my life that would hinder your Holy Spirit from flowing, then God, I ask that you remove it from my life and, and, and don't let anything that's in me, man, block what you want to do here. We surrender to you. Um, man, we, we look for your guidance and all for your glory in Jesus' great name. So, you know, some of the things I thought about lately, dude, like, you know, when you would talk about, you know, the, the lady telling you, the lady from California saying, hey, picture a pink elephant, you know, and, yeah. and, then, and then picture, uh, I can't remember how it went, the picture of the eyes, because, well, yeah, she at first she had told me to picture the pink pink elephant, and then put you know, and then said, "Well, and now add some purple polka dots." And I'm like, "Okay," and you know, that's pretty simple. And I think that was more to get out of my own brain and start use my imagination or maybe your spiritual, well, spiritual imagination is God given. Eyes, yeah, you know, yeah, there, there, there is. You know, Jesus all the way through says, "Let him who has eyes to see, let him see." And everybody he ever said that to, he, they had eyeballs in the front of their head, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. So he was obviously talking about a different set of eyes. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like, you know, tell me more about that moment. Tell me more, like, what, what else? Did she say anything more? Or where did well, it go from there for you? She was across the room, and she was kind of watching me. So I think, because I kind of chuckled when she was like, you know, a pink elephant. I'm like, pink elephant, you know, okay, I can do that. And then right away she was like, was watching me and... And then that's when she had told me, you know, to now picture in your mind, you know, what the what you picture the Lord looking at you would be like, and oh, okay. man, all of a sudden, and that's when these big old blue eyes come out of nowhere. And <laughs> I think Gulliver was gone, and these big blue eyes come out of nowhere, and they're just like overwhelming me, and wow, just got flooded with like a tremendous amount of love and. Okay. I basically melted in my chair right there in the seat, and I couldn't move for about an hour. Wow. And I know she was talking to me for quite a bit longer after that, but uh, <laughs> there's nothing registering, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was, that was the first time that I felt that love, love of the Father. Mm-hmm. For me, that was huge because coming from my background where I yeah. hated the father, hated father figures, and yeah. so I didn't know, really know I love the father. And even being a 
father myself in life, and that was a difficult situation for me because I didn't want to be that guy, you know. And yeah, or be a guy like my dad was that didn't admit I was his son, and so I strived to be the best father I could, and not even knowing my father yet. You know, I I think that I love that that point where you you know I didn't want to be a father like my father, and sometimes I think that you know maybe we go through that stuff with our earthly fathers, you know. And I know you know being a father myself, I know I didn't do it perfectly as much yeah. as I wished I did. I know I didn't, but there were some huge things like in my case where I said, "Man, I'm I'm never going to beat my kids the way my father did me." And uh, I was talking to my son uh, recently and. <laughs> And I said, you know, son, I, I know I made a lot of mistakes along the way, and uh, I've loved you every bit of the way. But uh, you know, one of the things I, I think I made sure that I never beat you guys the way that my father did me, mm-hmm. and the way his father did him. Yeah. And Enoch jumped out there and said, "Yeah, we're really grateful for that too." <laughs> so you know. And, uh, that's a chain break. That's a breaking that chain. And, yeah, I think that's breaking that that chain, breaking yeah. that. You know, there's a passage in the book that says, "I visit the sins of the fathers to the sixth and seventh generation of those mm. who don't love me." Yeah. But to those who love me, he extends mercy to the thousandth generation. You know, so there's thousands. I, I don't know where I fit in that picture, in, you know, in my family tree, you know. Uh, my, my, my grandfather was an evil man, you know. He, he beat my father and threw him in a ditch and left him for dead at seven mm-hmm. years old, you know. And uh, so I, I don't know if, like, my dad is the beginning of that thousandth generation, and then I'm the next one who mm-hmm. part of that. And, and I realize, you know, well, if, you know, I made those. One of the best things you can do is when you, you see them, the mistakes that your parents made, and they go, man, I don't want to make those myself. Yeah. You're still going to make some of them. And you go, oh, man, oh, I did it just like they did. You know, but I always told my kids, you know, I said, a smart man learns from his mistakes. Yes. But a wise man will see the mistakes of others and learn from them hmm. and not make them himself, yeah. you know? So uh, I've tried to do that, you know, and look at the mistakes that my old man made and then try to not make them with my kids. And then hopefully my kids can look at the mistakes I've made and try to not make them with their kids. Hmm. And eventually, somewhere down the road, maybe my great-grandkids or something or great-great-grandkids, they'll be excellent parents. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And I, and I agree with that. That was something I never did, too, is I would... Would never beat my kids. There was a lot of discussions, and there was always consequences. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was I was raised with consequences for your actions, and I'd be in the man of the house, and right, you didn't have a, I didn't have that father figure that taught me the right from wrong and what a man should do. I just. Went to the I school just knew I protected knocks. my family and I went <laughs> yeah. to school and went to work because I started working at 10 years old. Yeah. And I was a, being a half-breed, I didn't quite fit into the, the white side of the railroad tracks or the native side of the railroad tracks. So I learned how to fight at quite a young age because of the fact that there was so much prejudice and... You have to deal with that on both sides. Both sides of the tracks. You know, uh, that's something there that I think uh, 
racism or that prejudice, that's that's not a skin color thing. No. That's that's a heart issue. Oh, absolutely. You know? Because <clears throat> it can be from one any direction. It can come because it's a predetermined um idea of what you think someone is based yeah. on their skin color their yeah. ethnicity that's totally wrong it's totally against god because we're all created in the image of god no yes. matter what color you are no Absolutely. matter what gender you are male or female you're created in his image <clears throat> and to hate someone who's created in the image of god because they're a different color or they're you know maybe half you know half white and half native that's in you know that's that's insane at best you know, and at best, but it's also something that you feel sorry for that individual because they're lacking the. They're blind. They don't have the eyes to see. Well, you know, they don't see the value and the treasure in the individual that's there with them, and that they're in the like when you talk about when you were a kid, how you, you know your mom had told you that your dad rejected you, and and you went through all of that there. In reality, when someone does that to you, they, they didn't realize the value that you were as a kid. Right. My old man, you know, did the best that he could, but, you know, uh, to wail on a kid with a piece of board and, and you know, punch him in the mm-hmm. face and all that, you don't recognize the value in that individual. Yeah. You don't see the image of God stamped on them, you know. Which degrades the value in their own eyes because then they don't see their recognize the value of themselves either. But see, that takes the intervention of Christ, the intervention of those eyes that looked at you, surrounded you, overwhelmed you with that love that melted you in the chair because it's the love of God that truly changes us. That's something I was going to add in there too, growing up and not being able to fit in here or there and, you know, just never feeling like I ever fed in. That changed the day I met the Lord. The day I became, you know, I fit in, I knew where I belonged. It was like the most amazing experience ever because I knew that I belonged with him. I knew where I was and who I was. I like that. That makes me think of the passage that says, you know, when when you put your trust in Christ, all things become new. You're a new creation uh, in Christ. Uh, All right. So prior to you and I putting our trust in Christ, we're what in Hebrew you would call Bar Adam. You know, we're sons of Adam. Uh, but the moment that we put our faith in Christ, it says to them, He gave the power to become sons of God. And in Hebrew, that word Benai Elohim. Benai Elohim. All right, sons of God was used way back in the story of Job and the sons of God. Benai Elohim came before God and Satan was with them. I love that part because Satan is separated out. Yes. He doesn't come in as one of the sons of God. He and Satan came with him. Yeah. But you and I, at that point, that means that Benai Elohim uh, translates into like a direct creation of God. So when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become something completely new. We become a direct creation of God because He's changed the man on the inside. He's taken the old stony heart out and He's replaced it with Himself in there. Mm-hmm. He's put and a heart there that can feel again. They can feel him, feel him moving, sense his presence, and to grow and develop the eyes and the to see in the ears to hear his voice, you know? Amen. Absolutely. I think I can't tell if that thing's still recording or not, but we'll just keep going. 
<laughs> my first time recording on this cell phone, so I haven't got a clue, man, you know. And Kevin's not here. He's the guy that keeps us all together, man, you know. So if he, I was, you know, think about back in the Garden of Eden, all right? And you get there, and God says, look, don't eat this tree, man. There's a tree of life over here, and there's a tree of death over here. Yeah. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the, 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 the result of eating it is you die. Yeah. You died permanently, infinitely, you know? And uh, so it's a tree of death, you know? God said, don't eat that, you know? And, uh, but I, you know, when they ate that, they didn't die physically immediately. No. But always the wages of sin is death. Whenever we sin, something's got to die. Yes. Except for the beauty of it is when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you've, you've like, we just listened to that song. It was a song that said, how many times have I turned away? The number is the same as the, uh, the sand on the sea, you know, and I, and I pray you take me back one more time, man. Yeah. You know, and that's the beauty of following Jesus Christ when you recognize you're a lost and I, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Without you, Jesus, I can't make it, man. Yeah. You understand? I can't I've, get there. I've tried every way. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it don't work, you know. So when, I think when in the garden, when they ate that tree, something did die. Yeah. Right? And one of the things that they that died is they lost their perspective. Because prior to eating from that tree, all they knew was good. Yeah. But the moment they ate that tree, their focus became on the evil. You know, it's okay if I say if I if I say five good things to you, but then I fire out with one bad one, which one are you gonna remember? Mm, one bad one. You see what I'm saying? I think at that moment, Adam and Eve's perspective, they lost the focus on the good. And when we become that new creation in Christ, the change happens on the inside and our focus begins to change. And we're no longer focusing on the negative, on the death. We can focus on the life of Christ. Yeah. And it's the love and the life that changes us. Yes. See, and then they... So you could almost say they, they spiritually died and we became flesh. And then they yeah, begin to physically die, yeah. you know. So, yeah. There's the, the thing in there where, you know, uh, a little bit later, Cain and Abel, you know, and, and uh, Abel uh, gave a, a blood sacrifice. Yeah. And God accepted that, you know. But Cain comes along and he just gets whatever vegetables on the ground and throws them out there and goes, there you go, God. And God's like, no, I don't cut it, man. See, because the only way that you can cancel death is with life. Huh? And the life is in the blood. So when, Cain, when Abel offered that life, that blood, the life within it canceled that debt of death. Or, you know, put a, uh, uh, what's a, how, how can I say, not exactly, because Jesus canceled it finally, eternally, forever. Mm. But there was, that cancellation of that debt comes only through life. But the, how, how would, you don't read in there anywhere where God says, okay, look, uh, Cain and Abel, I want you to kill a sheep and bring it to me. All right? But somewhere they had to have heard. Yeah. Either their dad Adam began to tell them, or God still spoke to them. And if Adam told them, then Cain totally rejected anything and everything his father said. Mm. And if God spoke it to him, then Cain was in direct disobedience to God. Uh, and God, like, I, I can't accept nothing from you when you come no. at me like that, boy. No. You get a change of heart. He comes in, Cain, right a long face, boy. 
Don't you know if you do it right, if you do it the way that I've told you, if you walk in the obedience, all will be well with you. But son, don't you know that if you don't, sin lies at your door and its desire is to rule over you. And he's saying, don't let it rule over you, boy. So that when he has that conversation with Cain right there, telling him, look, man, this is what's in the future for you if you don't cut this off. I've given you the ability. I've given you the power. I've given you the authority. Now use the authority that I've given you to stop that in your life. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, it's going to rule over you and it's going to destroy everything around you. That tells me if he had that conversation with him there, that he must have had a previous conversation with him telling him the right way to make the sacrifice. Absolutely. And Cain totally rejected the voice of God. If you look at it there, you know, it's like, uh, Cain, his only focus, God comes out and says, Cain, where's your brother? Hmm. Cain's like, look, one of my my brothers keep a man, you know? And God says, your your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And God's, you know, I'm going to drive you out from my presence. And Cain says his only focus was on him. The punishment is too much for me. Yeah. Me. And God, in his amazing grace and mercy, said, no, I'm going to put a mark on you so that if anyone seeks to kill you, they won't be able to because I put this mark. Because I still love you enough to give you another chance to turn this around. I can forgive even this. You know what I'm saying? That, that's yeah. kind of hard to say, going, you know, man, you killed yeah. your, your own brother, man. You only, yeah. you know... That's a mess up. So right away, death began to happen Adam, after Adam and Eve ate that. You know, one of the things I think is, if you notice in the story of Adam and Eve, is uh, they could walk with God and see God and talk with God every day. Absolutely. But afterwards, they could only hear his voice they couldn't see. And I think because of the sin, it began to blind them. Yeah. And they couldn't, they couldn't, in that sin, they couldn't stand in the very presence of a God that holy, that God that mm-hmm. righteous. But he loves you and I enough that he still communicates to us in that lost state. And he comes looking for you and me, saying, hey, if you let me, I'll change your life for you, man. Because he's not going away from us. We we walk from him. (laughs) Come on, yeah, man. He's pursuing us. Absolutely, always. You know? I remember a time when I was up in Anchorage and I was listening to Mary Glazier preach. Mm. All right, she hired an Indian lady and she's yeah. teaching. And uh, she, you know, I didn't know nothing really. I was pretty, really pretty new and believing in God, you know, and and uh, following Jesus. I didn't know what I was doing, man. S- coming Saturday will be the twentieth, right? Mm, yeah. So this Saturday, I will have been a follower of Jesus for thirty-one years. Wow. And the very next day. I'll be able to, we celebrate 30 years of being married, Juan and I. So the very next day after. So God really changed my life when <laughs> yeah. he did, you know. But um, I'm listening to her preach. And, um, oh, running from him. Yeah, him coming, him running. She's teaching and she goes, you know, if you want the Holy Spirit, put your hand up. And I thought, you know, man, I tried all the drugs. I should try all the God stuff too. So I put my hand up. She said, all right, you can put your hand down. Then she kept talking, you know. And after she got done talking, she said, all right, if you put your hand up earlier, step out in the aisle. And I thought, well, now that's a pretty good trick. You get them to put their hand up early and then get them in the aisle later, you know. And in those days, I still had outstanding warrants for my arrest, man, you know, in the lower 48. And I still carried my combat knife inside my leather coat, you know. And uh, they send this guy to pray for me, and he's a suit, 
he looks like a fed, man. He's got the glasses, the haircut, the suit, the little mustache, you know. He looks like a federal cop, man. And a guy comes up to me, and the first thing he says is, put your hands up. I said, oh, no, he is a cop, man. <laughs> and I thought, man, if he reaches out to pat me down, he's going to find that knife, you know. Yeah. And I thought, if he reaches out for me, I'm just going to drop him and run, you know. And uh, he says, close your eyes, you know. I said, not on your life, Jack, you know. And I got my hands up, you know, and, and he doesn't reach out to touch me or anything. He just closes his eyes and starts praying. And he's doing his thing, you know, and I'm just watching him, man. And he gets done, he goes, anything happened? I go, no, dude, ain't nothing happening, man. Look, I got him up, I'm doing what you said, you know. And uh, so he says, all right, why don't you come back next week and try again? And at that, uh, Barry's wife, Karen Madison, she grabs me by the sleeve and she says, oh, no, you don't. You're coming down front. We're going to have this evangelist pray for you. Why go down there? He looks like a cop, too, man. And he, the first thing he says to me is, put your hands up. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, man, I, I'm either getting prayed for or I'm getting busted, you know. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, he goes to praying for me and he's doing his thing. You know, I got my hands up and he, he's praying in what, it, you know, they, they call tongues. I didn't know what it was then. I just, you know, guy speaking some kind of weird language, mm-hmm. man, you know. And, um. Uh, and he, he stops and he looks at me and goes, has anyone ever taught you to not have the Holy Spirit? I said, no, man, look, I, I'm doing what you said. I got my hands up. I'm doing what you said, man. And so he goes to praying again. And all of a sudden, a crowd gathers around me. And they're all doing that, you know, and they're all doing the whole speaking in tongues thing, which I, I didn't know what that was, you know. There was one lady behind me. She's going, in my head, I thought, just turn it over a few more times, honey. It'll start, you know. But all of a sudden, in the midst of that, this is a long way to get to this, man. But all of a sudden, this lady's hand hits me in the back. And this lady knows my name. And she said, Matt, you ran from me and ran from me. And still I sought after you. And I gave you love when there was no love to be found in your life. And if you'll let me, I'll pour out my spirit upon you. Man, it, this heat came on. I started sweating like I was like you talking to a crown. But no, like I'd been running a marathon. And, and uh, I thought it was from all the people around me, from all the body heats. I'm like, yo, back up. You're making me too hot here. And Wanda was sitting watching all this. I didn't even know her yet. And I turned around. And here's this lady sitting in a chair looking wiped out like she's melting in a chair. And I went up to her and I said, lady, why did you do that? And how did you know my name? And she goes, God told me to come tell you. She said, but God, I, I look at that guy. I don't want to go talk to him. You know, and she was a really nice little church lady, you know. And uh, But she said, man, the power of God hit her so strong it was starting to knock her to the ground. And she held on to a post. And finally she said, all right, God, I'll do it. And, and, and she lunged and hit me in the back. But the point I was trying to say there was... When God spoke to me, he said, you ran from me and ran from me. I didn't even know I was running from him. I didn't know he was looking for me. But he said, still, I sought after you. He was faithful when I was totally faithless. He was pursuing me even though I was running as fast as I could from him. But he never gave up. He's relentless in his pursuit. See? And then he said... And I gave you love when there was no love to be found in your life. That same love that you encountered that melted you in the chair, he was beginning to do the same to me. And it's his love that brought the change in who I am all these 31 years later. You know, if you ask my wife and kids, well, there's still a lot more to go, but, you know. 
Well, we're all sinners. I mean, we're not perfect. Only there's only one perfect. And yeah. And if if he if he doesn't intercede for me, I don't make it. Yeah. I'm aware of that on a daily basis. Yes. You know, and that's one of the one of the things I love that about you, and I love you know about coming so many times in so many churches you go into, they present this like self righteous error that they got it all together. Yeah. They look so good, right? But you can look at them and go, look, you're a human being just like I am, man. I know that there's stuff in your life that you have to struggle with. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a devil out there, there's this enemy out there. He would love to nothing more than to trip you up, take you down, and take you out. And he's relentless. But if he's relentless in his pursuit, then God is even more relentless in his pursuit of you and I. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Grace is greater than anything that Satan would bring at you. That grace can overcome it. And I thank God for that grace. Because if it ain't for his amazing grace, I always hear the story. Now they say, if you get to heaven and you, Jesus say, well done now, good and faithful servant. I do not care if I hear that. I probably ain't just ain't ambitious enough. I don't care if I hear that. I don't care if I get a crown. Because near as I can tell you, take the crowns off and throw them at his feet anyway. Which lets you know heaven ain't going to be real quiet. Because all them crowns hitting the floor is a lot of noise. That's a lot of noise. (laughs) What I care about one thing, and that is when I get there and I fall at his feet. And confess him to be Lord. Because that every mouth, every tongue will confess. Absolutely. That Jesus Christ is Lord. When I fall at his feet... I'm looking for one thing, and that is that he lift me up, wipe the tear from my eye, because he said I'll wipe every tear away, and then smile in my face and say, I made a fine redemption, didn't I? Mm. And I'll say, yes, sir, you did, and I was counting on that, man, because I know I can't get here if you didn't do it, you know? You know, I know you're looking for the same thing. Absolutely. (laughs) And there's nothing we can do. To get there. Yeah. You know. No we, matter what we, I mean, we could do all the service hood we want. We can preach the right sermons, you know, and but it takes his blood. It takes his blood. It takes his life in exchange for mine. Yes. You know. So, so you got to where you're having the love. You melted in the seat, you know. Tell me, the, tell me the next, what can you recall is like the next encounter that you have with the Holy Spirit, the next encounter you have with Jesus Christ after that, that began to confirm to you even more, wow, this Jesus really is who I'm looking for. Well, I'd have to say when I was started hearing about YWAM and I never even heard of what, didn't know what YWAM was, and so I'm looking it up on the internet because I didn't know what it was. I keep hearing the abbreviation and looked it up and it, the youth with the mission is what it's called, and, mm. and so, so I'm okay. And, and it's so weird because it was a word that was popping into my head, and and I had never heard it before. And so I looked it up, and it just like melted into my heart. Oh. That's something that I needed to do, and that's when the me and my wife then had decided, you know, we were going to pray into where we should go. And it was right before COVID had started and everything, and we went to start, we're praying, you know, and Lord, if you want us to go into YWAM, you know, and we were doing this as a family thing, and we wanted a good place for the for Jacob, our youngest then, and there was like three different options, and we were praying into it, you know, and just show us, give us a clear guidance. And, you know, 
went about our day and the next day went to work and all the way into town I'm listening to the radio and I'm hearing different commercials about Hawaii and you know a bunch of different commercials on Hawaii and in the evening when I get home there would be commercial on TV about Hawaii and one of the three options was Kona Hawaii for this YWAM wow and so I just started laughing you know I'm like you do really do control everything you? <laughs> so you can speak to me through the TV and you know <laughs> so I, I would have to say yeah and funny thing of that story is we decided on going to Kona for the YWAM and went and did a family DTS there amazing program I highly recommend it for families and wow. and then COVID hit and they did the lockdown and everybody they were saying you know no traveling no, everybody's quarantined at home and we're, I'm like that's not what I'm hearing the Lord's saying I'm supposed to be going to YWAM we know we're supposed to be going to Kona and I just spent a, you know bought all this stuff and I'm hearing no don't worry we're, you're still it's on and then everything's in lockdown and we're not supposed to be flying nowhere and everybody's in quarantine Man, Lord, you know, it's all you. They're saying we can't go nowhere. And for some reason that a plane take our just happened that our plane had opened up and we ended up flying into Kona and we had we had to be quarantined there for almost a month. Wow. But we were in YWAM in Kona, Hawaii, you know, and surrounded by people pray and every room is full of Christians that are just full of the Holy Spirit and praying and tongues and people on every corner you know praying and it was an amazing experience in my life wow keep going tell me more man. I want to know what happened next so you had quarantine for a month you know what what happens when the quarantine lifts and you're free to move about so while we were doing quarantine we were doing all our because the whole time we're doing discipleship training, which is we're learning about the Bible and where we belong in the world and in the will of God, you know. And we're doing this all on Zoom calls because we're quarantined to our rooms. And then after that had lifted, we able to go out into the classrooms and into worship. It was humongous worship there, like 500, 600 people. Wow. And uh, it's all outdoors and big big, uh, stadium thing. We were one night worshiping there, and I was sitting on the lawn, and I was just, man, really into it, into this worship. And this guy, I could see him out of the corner of my eye, and he's really eyeballing me, you know, like he he could, when you can tell somebody's wanting to talk to you, but they're not really sure they should or... And I'm like, I can see watching him, and he's he come walking over, and he's like, "Your name, Eric?" And I, I was like, um, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "Can I sit down?" And so he sits down with me on the lawn there, and we start talking, and I tell him a little bit about my. So he tells me about himself. His name was Jacob too. Oh. I had never seen him before on the campus, and he was a young, probably 25-year-old guy. He had long blonde hair, curly, and 
he started, we started praying together and he's like, I was standing over there and I was watching you and I told the Lord, if he looks over at me, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I had to come to talk to you. And he, we were talking and he said, uh, and the Lord wants me to come over here and tell you, and he knows, this guy knows my name and I'm like amazed. Like, how does this guy know my name? I don't know him at all, you know? Yeah. He starts telling me a few things about my past and he looked right struck in my eyes and he told me, the Lord says, you need to forgive yourself now. You've been forgiving everybody, you know, but you forget to forgive yourself and that's important. Mm. And man, I fell over right there on the lot. <laughs> I don't even know what he said next, but I knew, but it hit me that hard that... Wow. So the Lord meets us where we're at. He knows where we're at and what we need to hear yes. at that moment in time, you know. And Oftentimes, he, he, he knows things that we're not even aware of about our own self. Absolutely. And he can yeah. speak into that, you know, to speak the life and the I, freedom into that. I didn't even know I needed to forgive myself that long. <laughs> yeah, you know. But as soon as I heard it, man. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>